All right, this solo moon, these solo honeymoons where the couples go on honeymoon but not together. Have you ever heard of this happening? Because I don't know anyone who's done this, Jess. Well, I don't know anyone who has done it either. And I think, Jess, this might be a matter of writers misunderstanding a hashtag. And I think it might be generationally lost in translation because I have heard of a solo moon and it is not about taking separate honeymoons solo moons refer to taking a solo trip so traveling on your own to a destination that is more traditionally considered a romantic honeymoon spot so hawaii or niagara falls or the maldives or bora bora so a solo moon is really about it used to be about rejecting the notion that you need to wait until you get married or find a partner to visit some romantic far-off destination. Now, I've seen all these articles saying that it's about a bride and groom taking separate trips to celebrate their wedding, and they're talking about how there's all these hashtags, but I think Solo Moon started as people traveling to honeymoon destinations alone, and there might be a little bit of a misunderstanding here. But having said that, if you are getting married and you want to take separate trips, I think that's okay, too. Okay, well, let's explore that a little bit, because traditionally, I mean, I can remember uh, going to weddings as a kid, and uh, the bride and groom would come out near the end of the evening in their honeymoon outfits, right? (laughs) And then they'd go off to the hotel or whatever, and they'd always have a flight booked the next day, and that was one of the big questions at the reception was, where are you going? Where are you going tomorrow on your honeymoon? And more and more couples, uh, I don't know if they're going solo or going on different vacations, but uh, they definitely are not going on a honeymoon right after the ceremony, right? This is true. They're delaying till a better season. If you're getting married in June and you live in a cold destination like we do, you're probably not going to, you know, go away in June. You might save that honeymoon until later on. I know others who save until they have the money to pay for their dream honeymoon. I know others like myself who never admit to having been on a honeymoon. I never let any vacation count as the honeymoon. I'm like saving it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you're you're in agreement of this uh, as a concept then. I mean, how can you celebrate what is a union, a union of two people by going your separate ways? That's, that's a good question. So I don't think it's a fit for most people. But I was looking at this this data from a dating app, Bridebook, and the, the people getting married had been together for an average of almost five years. And so it's interesting because the honeymoon, well, the honeymoon traditionally, as I understand it, comes from going to visit relatives who couldn't make it to the wedding. So you were actually never alone on your honeymoon to begin with. And then it became, you know, this celebration of love after what was a stressful period of planning a wedding, which you know, Jeff, I do not think planning a wedding should be stressful. Right. I want people to start planning their marriages instead of planning their weddings. But I think that if you already live together and you have spent so much time together, I suppose if it was a fit for you, Maybe some time apart might be good for your relationship. Again, though, I think that's not something that would work for me, but I also get that what works for me may not work for others. So, you know, there are all these benefits to spending time apart. You miss each other. It can keep the passion alive. And and many newlywed couples most of them are well beyond the honeymoon stage, right? They've already lived together. The passion has already faded. So this might be a chance to spark it again. You know, maybe you're already taking each other for granted. So some time apart might, you know, help you appreciate your partner. And maybe you, you know, you, you retain that sense of independence, even though you are a couple, and that can be good to your self-esteem. And then maybe you come back appreciating each other more. I was also thinking about the bachelor and bachelorette parties, you know, where you, go off and, and celebrate with your friends. And many of these are actually trips now. So I could see someone wanting to take, you know, a big trip with their friends 
because it might be the last trip you take with friends, especially if you're moving in with a partner or planning to have kids. So maybe it's a way to celebrate the mm. transition into marriage. Uh, not a fit for everyone, obviously. Yeah, well, I understand that the bachelor and the bachelorette party and, uh, you know, getting together with, uh, you know, your bridesmaids, your groomsmen, uh, and heading out for kind of a big hurrah before uh, the big day. But uh, taking this honeymoon separately, isn't that starting the union off in some ways on the wrong foot? I mean, I completely get what you're saying, and I think some people would consider it to be a marriage saver that uh, every once in a while I need to take my own vacation, I need to go fishing, I need to go mm-hmm. golfing with the guys, What, whatever. Uh, that's somewhere down the line. But when this is kind of your first official trip <laughs> after marriage, shouldn't it be together? You know, I think 99.99999% of people want to have it together. And I think it's a good thing if you want to travel together. Again, I think this is something that got a little lost in translation because I, I mean, I talked to so many people, especially couples about their relationships, and I don't know anyone who took a solo trip. Yeah, again, I just, I do not know of anyone. When I heard solo moon, I, I thought we were dealing with another one of those, like uh, blood moons or something like Is this something <laughs> I need to stay up for till two in the morning because it's a once-in-a-lifetime event? <laughs> yeah, I would think a solo moon might precede the wedding, right? So maybe, I don't know, it's a solo sun. I, there are all these different moons now, right? Like 10 years ago or 15 years ago, you'd never heard of a baby moon. Now you get pregnant. You've got on a, got to go on a baby moon. Oh, that's all, right, yes. <laughs> all these, just listen, if you have the money and you have the resources, let's also remember that most people in the world who get married never go on a honeymoon, right? When we look at the global economy, most people aren't going on a honeymoon and somehow their relationships survive. In fact, in many of those places, their divorce rates are much lower. You you know, that's fascinating to me. I hadn't heard that. The majority of married couples do not go on a quote-unquote official honeymoon at all? Well, no, because if you look at like countries where they simply don't have the money to do that, like big markets where they don't have the money that we have in Western developed nations, we think it's necessary. And we think, oh, we can't just go on a regular vacation. We've got to step it up. We've got to get the honeymoon suite. We've got to pay extra. We've got to you know, go someplace exotic that my friends haven't been. But that's a very, you know, that's part of our Western blessed <laughs> privilege concept of what, what marriage is and what, what we're entitled to. But, you know, go to... Um, you know, most markets in the world, they simply just don't have an extra, I think the average spend on a, honey, on a honeymoon is something like 4700 U.S. dollars or something like mm-hmm. that. Most people don't have that kind of money when you look at the entire world. Well, I was going to say, I bet you most married couples with the cost of living and particularly housing these days are, are banking that money, right? They, they'd rather use yeah. it to, to, for down payment on a house. <laughs> oh, I'm hearing that mostly from young couples, especially, you know, in the southern Ontario area, their Ontario area. They're definitely saving for a house before they're worried about their honeymoon. All right. Sex and relationship expert Jessica O'Reilly with us this afternoon. Dr. Jess, appreciate the time as always. Thanks so much. Thank you. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.